Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hey, everybody. We greet you from Orlando, Florida, in this new episode of the Insurgents Podcast. And we are looking at every reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels chronologically. And this brings us to Matthew 13, which is a pillar in the New Testament on the parables of Jesus because Matthew puts together seven parables and groups them all here in this one chapter. Now, we have looked at some of these parables in other episodes because they appear in other texts. But the ones we're going to look at today and going forward have unique references to the kingdom that we have not yet explored. Now, I want to give a few words about parables before Jeffrey reads the texts we're going to look at in today's session. First, Jesus was a teacher who seemed to enjoy provoking questions and teasing them out rather than simply giving straightforward answers. As a teacher, he was more of an essay giver than a multiple choice giver. (laughs) Second, these parables are like windows through which we can peer into the heart of God. But as we gaze through the window, sometimes we catch a reflection of our own face. Hmm. Third, the parables are often meant to dislodge more than they explain. Fifth, Jesus Christ himself is a parable. That Hmm. is, he is a mystery. He is a story. He's a work of art. Amen. I define a parable as a work of art, specifically an expanded analogy designed to convince and persuade, enlighten, and motivate. They are stories that always have an intention or an aim. In other words, there is a purpose behind the parable. And they often compare and contrast various ideas. They give us concrete images instead of abstractions. And it seems that the purpose of the parable is to awaken insight stimulate the conscience, Hmm. and move a person to action. Scholars have studied the parables, and they tell us that parables have the following five features. One, they are brief. Two, they are simple in the way they're structured. Three, the stories are focused on humans most of the time. Four, they are taken from everyday life. And five, they are engaging And so when people say Jesus was a master storyteller, (laughs) the parables give us examples of that. Now, in Matthew 13, we have seven parables, and most of them convey the idea that there is a difference between the inward reality of the kingdom of God and the outward appearance of it. So the parables, and we'll see this going forward, show us that there is a difference between false converts in the kingdom and true converts in the kingdom. Amen. Many of the parables are about mixture as it relates to the kingdom of God. Of course, a false convert is really not in the kingdom, but they often are present in the periphery and in the midst of the people of the kingdom. I'm going to share something that one scholar, a friend of mine, shared with me about Matthew 13 and the book of Matthew as a whole. He's a New Testament scholar, and according to him, he thinks that Matthew is structured intentionally, not necessarily following any strict historical sequence. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, all the way to chapter 11, verse 1, we see Jesus announcing the kingdom. We see him calling disciples, demonstrating the kingdom in word. It's chapter 5, verse 7. And also indeed. 
That's chapter 8 to chapter 9, verse 34. And then he sends the 12 to replicate his ministry of the kingdom of God. That's chapter 9, verse 35 to chapter 11, verse 1. And then from chapter 11, verse 2, all the way to chapter 16, verse 20, we have an explanation for why Jesus was rejected, with the climax being the reality that the disciples, led by Peter, get, quote-unquote, or understand (laughs) Jesus, but not completely, (laughs) as chapter 16, verse 21 to 28 show. Matthew 11 to 12, chapters 11 to 12, offer a theology of disbelief by giving reasons why everyone outside of the disciples, their group, rejected Jesus. Hmm. And Matthew collects the parables of the kingdom, many of them, mostly in chapter 13. And according to this scholar, the third of five teaching blocks in Matthew is found in chapter 13. These parables teach steadfastness in the light of the apparent insignificance of the Jesus following at the time, or what he calls the Christ following movement. Hmm. (laughs) Scholars have a way of (laughs) creating these phrases. The parables of the soils, or what's often called the parable of the sower, which we're gonna look at very soon, is critical as a hermeneutic for understanding revelation, rejection, and the kingdom itself. In the way that Matthew tells the narrative, The gospel portrays the teaching of chapter 13 in one day. Hmm. And you see that in the beginning of chapter 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Matthew just groups them all together in chapter 13. All right, so that brings us to chapter 13, verse 18 to 23. You want to read that to our listening audience. Yes, sir. Matthew 13, verses 18 through 23. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Amen. Mm. Well, we touched on this parable in episode 81 of this podcast. So if you want to listen to that episode after you hear this one, that might be good. It will probably paint a larger picture because here we're looking at Jesus explaining the parable. Mm. He tells the parable in the beginning of chapter 13, as well as in Mark 4. And in episode 81, we were focusing on Mark 4, 11, and we just happened to touch on the parable. And that's where Jesus told his core disciples, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Yeah. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. <laughs> mm. Interesting. So in this episode, we're going to focus on the interpretation of the parable given by Jesus, which Denzel just read Amen. So beautifully. Here are some observations I have, initial observations. Matthew 13, verse 19, the translation in the ESV is the word of the kingdom. Hmm. And that's also in the New King James Version. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. In Luke 8, the version there says it is the word of God. So there we see that the word of the kingdom and the word of God are interchangeable. Mm -hmm. That's what the seed represents. Luke 8 verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that 
Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. End of quote. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, which is the translation in the New Living, the message about the kingdom, it's a message. It's something that is proclaimed. Yes. It's something that is heralded. It is something that is preached. It's also something that is taught. And uh, as we saw in a previous episode in chapter 4, verse 23, in both the ESV and the NASB, we have the phrase, the gospel of the kingdom. So the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom are all synonyms. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news or the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Another thing we observe here is that there is a cosmic conflict present that is designed to keep people out of the kingdom. And that becomes clear when we see that one of the soils does not bear fruit because the foul bird (laughs) Hmm. comes and snatches it away. And in Matthew 13, he is called the wicked one. Mm. That, of course, is the devil, the evil one. The foul bird in another place in the Gospels, he is described as being. A key word is the word understand. The word understand or understanding is used nine times in the parable of the sower. That's a lot. Yes. Nine times. Yes, that is a lot. So the focus is not on hearing, it's on understanding. understanding. Now today, in the 21st century, we have another problem. And that problem is that most people, including Christians, in my experience, don't even hear the gospel of the kingdom because Amen. it's so rarely proclaimed. Wow. There's parts of the gospel of the kingdom in, in many presentations of the gospel, but to hear a clear, full-throated unveiling, uncorking Mm. of the gospel of the kingdom is rare. That's why I wrote the book Insurgents. Amen. Because if it was so prevalent, there'd be no need to write a book. It wouldn't be worth the agony (laughs) putting a book together, which is not an easy task. So understanding cannot even come if there is no hearing. However, you can hear and not understand. Another observation is that the Lord's preaching And anyone's preaching, for that matter, of the gospel of the kingdom is like sowing seeds. And the proper response is to hear, number one, understand, number two, and receive. And upon receiving, there is production, the producing of fruit. So those four elements, hear, understand, receive, produce fruit. Hmm. And so after Jesus delivers the parable, the disciples ask him for an explanation. And like all Jews during that day, they were expecting the kingdom to come dramatically in full glory. But the idea of this parable is that the kingdom comes by stealth. Hmm. You know, it's like a seed put in the ground, right? Which is unseen. And it takes time for that seed to grow into into whatever it's going to produce. Here, it's the production of fruit. Also, another bizarre idea, it would be bizarre in the mind of first century Jews, is that people can actually accept or reject the kingdom. It doesn't overcome people. There's a choice involved. Amen. All right? In the language of the Godfather, it's an offer they can refuse. (laughs) All right? So that's another mystery of the kingdom that was just outside of the expectation of Israel. What say you, Jeffrey? Wow. I was sitting here just like really eating up uh, eating up all of that. But, you know, when you were saying uh, one of the keys is understand. Understanding. And uh, I like playing with words now and then. And so I separate under and stand. Mm. And, and so as I was thinking of that word under and then stand, what came into my mind was when James says to humbly receive the engrafted word of God into your heart, which is able to save you and deliver you. And I'm thinking of a previous podcast where we talked about the centurion and his faith. And 
he understood authority and he was willing to come under or stand under the authority of Christ by faith. It's interesting in, in the Lord, you never know who the Lord will speak through, who the Lord will use. It's like being conscious of it. And uh, I've made a mistake years ago in my life to where I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand something because I wasn't really even willing to, I rejected the teacher or the person right out mm. that whatever they said, I wouldn't understand it because I wasn't willing even to come under and just listen to it, mm. to humble myself and, and listen to it. And so coming under, standing under, coming under that authority to hear that. And so one of the things that comes out to me and out here uh, on this Insurgents podcast, your Insurgents, Frankie V alluded earlier, episode 81, that Frank had uh, Brother Russell with him. I really like how they brought out in that Jesus says the parables to the crowds, but then they come in the house, the disciples and other followers, and then he gives them understanding of it. It's like they were with the crowd, but they made the effort to, to follow him to get that understanding, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it goes back to something we were talking about in previous episodes about devotion. Uh, pursuing the Lord. Frank alluded to the Deeper Christian Life Network. There's a, uh, I've been going back through these. This was from a couple of years ago, the beautiful pursuit. You know, in pursuing the Lord and being and devoted to the Lord and coming under Him, if you will, He will give us understanding. He says in this parable, um, when He's explaining it, that, you know, it's been given to you to understand. So, so we have that opportunity, you know, to understand. And then, as he said, understanding is connected when you hear. When you hear, perceive, and understand, then it says it's going to bear fruit. Fruit's going to come forth. He doesn't say that I'm going to have a mental assent of what he's saying and then in my own effort go out and produce fruit. It's going to be by the revelation of understanding and that word coming into the heart, my soil, good soil. And also what I loved about episode 81 is uh, I don't know which one of you we brothers brought it out, but it came out in it was uh, I used to look at this at verse 23 and go 160 and 30, you know, say I want to be a hundredfold and keep it a hundred, which is a good goal. But. If you had an investment and you got a 30% return on it, you'd be pretty happy about that. Mm -hmm. be pretty good. That calls me, again, understand it, come under it like, ooh, yeah, 30, uh, producing 30. You know, yes, mm -hmm. obviously you want to go 60 and 100, but that's nothing to slouch at, you know, 30. Mm -hmm. And so I liked how in that episode that was brought out. Jeff, we'll say Jeff, old Jeff was a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I didn't get 100, then it was, it was all or nothing. You know, in my life. So 30, 60, 100 in the Lord, Denzel uh, prefers now progress over perfection mm. and, and moving forward. So these were some of the things in listening, in listening uh, to you exhort uh, about it and that hearing, perceiving, and then producing fruit. And I also love how you broke down the parable. I like that. A parable is a work of art. You know, and they're brief, simple, focused on humans. Most of the time, he said, everyday life and engaging. And I really like everyday life, number four, because it should be relevant. Mm -hmm. You know, the understanding that we receive from the Lord out of the parable should be relevant and practical and applicable mm -hmm. in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. Because where it's about expressing the life of Christ corporately, as a body. So we're going to express that life, mm. having the understanding of that life, and it, it will come out in everyday life and it will be engaging. Yeah. People will want to engage it. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll see that. They'll pick up like there's something different about that group over there, how they love one another, how they take care of one another, yeah. how they're there for one another. Uh, I think it's Brother John Zenz uh, wrote a book, uh, 58 to Zero. He says there's like 58 one another's in the New Testament. I didn't go count them, but there is a lot of one another's in there. 
again, demonstrating that community corporate life that uh, we share together, you know, with Christ, with one another, and uh, submitting to one another in reverential fear of the Lord, uh, serving one another. We pray before we, you know, sit down and and chop it up in uh, these uh, podcasts, these conversations. One of our uh, passions is that people do get understanding and wisdom and revelation knowledge and know our Lord deeper and more intimately come into an understanding of the eternal purpose of the triune God and the mystery of the gospel and the purpose of the body of Christ. You said that about a parable. You said there's a purpose behind the parable. It's to stimulate insight and move a person to action. So this moves me to action. Amen. I'm glad you mentioned the first Peter passage. I'll just read it. It's chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, mm. not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. So there you have the seed mm-hmm. through the word of God. Yes. There you have the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So that's straight out of the parable of the sower, which Peter heard with his own ears live, up close and personal. Mm. And I love how the New Testament just echoes itself in different parts of Holy Writ, including the Old Testament as well. I want to shift gears here and talk about the different soils and Mm. their activities. So we have four different kinds of soil. The first one is the wayside, Mm. (laughs) the roadside. The seed is thrown on the wayside where it has no chance to produce any kind of fruit, okay? Mm. And that's where the evil one or the foul bird in another gospel snatches it away. You know, it can't really gain any kind of root. Mm. These are people who end up hearing the gospel, but denying, deserting, and betraying the Lord and his servants. In Luke 8, that part of the parable is stated this way. The seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those along the path, this is the wayside, Mm -hmm. or the roadside, are those who hear... And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. So these are people who don't even understand what they're hearing, right? There's no registration. And that seed is picked up by the enemy and the listener has not believed the word so that they would be saved. Hmm. Those are the words of Jesus in Luke 8. Then we have the thorny soil. This represents the seed that is planted in the soil, but the worries of this life, the cares of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth, riches, material things, are deceitful. Yes. Because they communicate that our satisfaction and our pleasure, our identity, our worthiness, comes from that which we can see. The deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things come in Mm. and they choke the word. As that seed is beginning to grow, it's being cut off at the knees, so to speak, Mm. making it unfruitful. Another version says, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Mm. And they do not mature. I think the rich young ruler in the Gospels is a good example of the thorny soil. He wanted to receive the kingdom message, but his wealth was an obstacle. We all are susceptible to being seduced by other interests, whether it's the cares of this life, competing interests of worldly pleasures, and, of course, riches, which, again, it's no mistake that Jesus uses the term deceitful (laughs) to refer to wealth. And then we have the rocky soil. This is the person that has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That's Mm. the ESV rendering. Persecution. 
is a test. Yes, it is. If you're persecuted for following Jesus Christ mm. and the implications of that. Or if tribulation comes, which it's going to come if you're a believer, it's going to come into your life. You're going to have trial and tribulation. And that's where some people who believe the gospel fall away. You know, they turn their back on the Lord and they go back into the world. I'm thinking of Demas, who mm. loved this present world. He, he was a, uh, a thorny soil person, right? He departed from me, Paul says, yes. and went back into the world because he loved the world, the world system. And then the fourth kind of soil, the last group, is referred to as good soil. These are the true disciples of the kingdom. They understand the word, they receive the message, and it bears fruit. So here's a summary. And the seed that was thrown along the road, along the path, there is no soil. Right? Yes. It can't really, you know, maybe there's a little patch of dirt, <laughs> but immediately the foul bird snatches it away. So there's no understanding. In the rocky ground, there's very little soil. Mm. In the thorny ground, there's soil, but there's interference mm. in the way of testing or temptation, persecution, trouble, or problems. Usually, trouble and temptation go hand in hand. Trials mm. are all tests that put the depth of a believer's faith and devotion to Christ on display. It's being put to the test. And when a person is being tried and they have tribulation in their life, there's often the temptation to either relieve the pain they're going through inappropriately or to turn away from the Lord altogether. And so the thorns choke the word out. I wrote a book on this whole subject called Hang On, Let Go. Amen. Which was a practical look at trial, tribulation that comes into the lives of all believers and how to navigate your way through it so that the word of God won't be choked out. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then finally, the good soil. There's no interference. There is understanding. And these individuals... Luke says, have a noble and good heart, Luke 8, 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it. And by persevering, persevering, brothers and sisters, that's the name of the game. He Amen. or she who endures until the end shall be saved. Persevering, produce a crop. Now, Isaiah 6 is the background to this parable, hearing but not understanding. And that's a theme that runs through the Gospels. For example, Matthew 11, 25 to 26. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the babes, to the little children. And this pleased you. Luke 19, 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Mm. John 6, verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard word. Who can accept it? Mm. John 8, 43. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. That verse contains an insight. If a person is not open, they're closed off to respond to what Jesus has to say, they won't understand it. Amen. But if a person is open, they're seeking, they have a heart mm. that is pliable, they are willing and ready to respond, they will understand. There's a passage in Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy, it may be 2 Timothy, where Paul says, meditate on these things and the Lord will give you understanding. So there's a piece there about meditating, which indicates a pursuit an active pursuit, an openness that precedes understanding. Mark 4, verse 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is we've got the spirit of this age is hostile to the kingdom of God and to the gospel of the kingdom. That's where we have the foul bird. We've got the deceitfulness of riches. We have the worries of this life. We have... Mm the pleasures of this world, all of those things are hostile to the kingdom and are designed to choke out or stop the kingdom message from taking root in a person's heart. I will just say this, that you can hear the gospel message. You can even hear the gospel 
of the kingdom clearly and totally not understand it. Amen. I'll give you an example. Very recently, this is just a few days ago, I was at a hotel in Orlando right here. Mm-hmm. Right? My wife and I were here. And we attended a show that the hotel had sponsored. And it was called The Greatest Story Show. And basically what it was is there were actors and singers who read the gospel story focusing on the birth of Jesus in Luke. And they read it verbatim. Mm -hmm. And as they read the story, then they would break into a well-known song, Joy to the World. Um, You know, the king has come. What child is this? Silent night. All these classic hymns. If you look at the hymns, they talk about Jesus being the Messiah, yes. the King, yes. the King of Israel, yes. the Promised One, the Savior, right? All of this was being said as clear as day. It was being read from the Gospel of Luke, nothing edited. It was being sung. And I was looking at this and looking at the crowd, and I was thinking to myself, how many people really understand what's being mm, said here? That's a good point. Mm, that's good. How many people are singing along because they know the tunes, but do they understand what they're hearing? So it's possible to hear and absolutely have no clue what you're hearing. The first time I preached the gospel of the kingdom was in September of 1998. And I just, very recently, I wanted to hear what I said. Got the cassette tape. (laughs) Back (laughs) then, that's what you had. Had it transcribed, and I read through the message. And the message was entitled, The Absolute Sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Mm. And it was all about submitting to his kingship, submitting to his lordship, what it meant to say Jesus is Lord. And as I recall, I think I gave that message to a room of about 30 people. It was given in a home. And that was one of the first foundation stones and a foundation that was really, really strong, thank God, by his grace. And it opened the door for me to present the mystery of God, the eternal purpose. So that was the beginning, the beginning message. And it was received well. And I don't have a memory if we lost anybody, Mm -hmm. if we had any people who were roadside (laughs) soil. Mm -hmm. But... In 2010, I brought a much more extensive message on the gospel of the kingdom, probably the clearest I'd ever brought that message. And it was really, really challenging. And the room fell silent when I was finished. And when it was over, Denzel, I saw in living color these four soils operate. Mm. And so I'm going to give you kind of a flavor based on my memory of what happened, because I remember it pretty vividly. And I'm going to change the names, but I'm going to do this by way of illustration to contemporize, to show how these soils are applicable even now. So we had Katrina and she immediately left the group. She had been meeting with us for quite a while. That was the last time we saw her. And that was an example of the seed being thrown on the wayside. The foul bird came, stole it out of her heart. And if I can imagine it, as I was sharing, it was the challenge of Jesus. It was the cost of the kingdom. The enemy whispered in her ear, this is not what you want. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family. It's not the direction you want your life to go in. And it was a radical message on forsaking all for the Lord Mm. and living counterculturally for Jesus Christ. So I was talking about a lot of the things I mentioned in the book Insurgents. Because really, the book Insurgents is a complete, full extending, (laughs) big time of that initial message in 2010. And so Katrina left, and you know we were sad to see her go. But I immediately thought of the uh, wayside. Mm -hmm. Well, then there was Jack. Again, changing the names. He received that word with great joy. He Mm. was on fire, but there was no root in his heart. The understanding did not go very deep. And it was just a matter of time where he got distracted by other things. In time, he fell away as well. And then there was Billy. It seemed that the message had taken root in Billy. Mm -hmm. 
we started to see real change in his life. But the thorns of temptation hmm. and the deceitfulness of riches swept in after a period of years. He was offered a job that had the promise of making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he was in his early 20s. And so he moved away from the kingdom community that he was a part of. Beautiful expression of the body of Christ. And he did so because of the promise of great wealth. And the promise did not come to pass. <laughs> when he was away, he and some others who were there ended up falling away from the Lord. Oh. And I don't know if they're following him to this day. Mm. The last I heard, which was some years ago, he was, still was in the world and not following the Lord. So that's an example of the thorny soil. And then we have Blair. Blair was an example of the good soil, and, and many others followed in his path, thankfully. He received the message, mesmerized by it, mm. totally taken by it. In fact, we had a baptism shortly after that where all of the brothers and sisters in the ecclesia, the kingdom community, were baptized in a river together. And he kept pressing on and bearing beautiful fruit and it was just remarkable to see his life change. So the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the kingdom, is ultra challenging. Yes, sir. But today it has often been watered down, diluted, mm -hmm. and distorted. And that is one of the reasons why I wrote Insurgents. And if you're new to the podcast and you have not read the book, I would encourage you very strongly to do so. There are six parts to it. They all do something very different. So as I have said many times, if part one doesn't grab you, move on to part two. Mm. If that doesn't grab mm. you, go to part three, because I guarantee there's going to be one part of that book that will, God willing, grab you by the throat as it has other people. And then you can go back and read the other parts. But it is a work that I'm so glad came out. Amen. It has changed so many lives. I am humbled by that. I am thankful. And I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to do this podcast because it's a supplement to that book. What say you? Well, a few things. I really like uh, how you fleshed out the different soils. As you were going through them, just thinking within my own journey, I can see through my life when I've been at one time or another each one of these soils. Mm. One thing about the thorny soil, it seems like everything grows in it. You know, it's <laughs> yes. like whatever comes in there, like, hey, we can grow here. And I was like that in my life, you know, in the Lord, and I was very busy, and the word distraction would always come to me. I was busy working. As you describe, you know, one of the uh, you know, pseudo names for people, a uh, person had got offered a job that, that paid well. And you said, you know, they're in their 20s. And, you know, you're in your 20s, your mid-20s. You're looking, if you're not married, get married, buy a home, settle down. You know, you might get a good retirement account and those things. Opportunities will come along. And I believe even you have to be discerning about, is this from the Lord or is this from yes. the evil one? You know, because when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, Satan says, hey, if you bow down and worship me, all this has been given to me, I can give it to you. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't say it doesn't belong to him. So, unfortunately, I've seen other people in my life who thought it was a blessing from the Lord, but it really wasn't. It was something that took them away from the Lord. Yes. And that's one of the things that an insurgent in the book where you bring out like about the world system and again, Antichrist trying to replace the kingdom. And so really being cognizant in your life of where the tentacles of the world system are still yes, they attached to your tentacles. heart. Yeah, and slice them. But what I also love is because my family and I, we like going to the beach. Mm -hmm. And when you said in a book about, you know how you're standing at the shore and the, the, the tide comes in, but then when it goes out, it kind of pulls you mm -hmm. a little bit like you got to, and you got to put your feet down deeper in the <laughs> sand because if you don't, you know, and I'm 200 plus pounds. If you don't, it'll, it'll take you with you. And what you bring out in the book is like, how that's how the world system tries to pull you back. Mm -hmm tries to pull you back in. And so, you know, you said, you know, the person in the one soil, they didn't have any root in themselves. And when that pull came, they got sucked back in, yeah. if you will. And, and what's what's interesting, it, this past summer when we were at the beach, 
And I'm sitting there and that's happening and I'm looking at the sea and I'm like, wow, the sea is the place of death. It's trying to pull me into, into death. You know, the soil, the rocky soil, again, not rooting itself, but persevering and going through trials and tribulations. And I remember a time in my life, my first seven or eight years walking with the Lord, and I ran into a very uh, life-shattering uh, betrayal, unfortunately, by uh, some leadership in the body of Christ. And let's just say leadership. And uh, I guess, I, I don't know if I was naive or what, but I was just so broken and hurt that I did not want to be bothered with anybody that said that said the Lord and I could, mm. it was hard to trust. What I wrestled with during that time was like, I really believe this is the enemy trying to get me to doubt the love of God and the relationship with God. These people might have misrepresented him, but that doesn't mean that the Lord was like this. Mm. And eventually, and it took a while, it literally took two and a half to three years. I mean, this wasn't an overnight thing. Yeah, this was a thing where I really had to wrestle and struggle with, and uh, you know, and thank thank the Lord for His grace uh, to not let me. And, and and so when you said the good soil is like a noble and good heart, and they persevere, I can look back at that and say just trying to stay open and you talked about you know people being open and there may be closed spirit just trying to stay open to the lord and just to hear his voice and him and, and just really seek him and, and it became where um i had to um within myself was like i'm gonna hang on <laughs> yeah. and, and let go of some other things i remember we had a uh, a leak in our downstairs bathroom sink you know that drip drip and i had a small cup there and when I went in the morning, it had overflowed. So I had to get a bigger container. Mm. And got that bigger container and went to work and came back home. And it was almost overflow. So I had to get a bigger container until I got it fixed. But what I kept seeing in there was like, huh, if that container is not put in that right place, it can't catch the drip. So if I want to get the drip, drip effect in my life with whether it's a book or a message or a podcast or anything, I have to put myself in a place where I can catch the drip and then as the drips come and come in and it's marinated in, in me more I believe that the Lord can expand my capacity to take more of the water in of his word and so when I heard you say you know 1998 bringing forth that gospel of the kingdom message the first time and then you move forward to maybe 10 or 12 years and then, then Insurgents, the book, and 2017 or so around there, so another seven years. In Denzel's mind, it was like 1998, okay, 30-fold. Then 2010 or whatever at the conference, he's 60. And then Insurgents is 100-fold because this is all packed in there. And what I also see in Insurgents is like a little from, from eternity here from other works, Jesus of Theography and other works, and it's just like all coming out in this, like, for lack of a better term, Magna Carta or Charter. Yeah, and, and just even listening to that, for me, it was like hearing, like, your progression as good soil then there, and then the, the progression and the expansion, just like with my drip, where I had a Dixie cup and then a bigger bucket and then a bigger, that we can continue for Christ to be formed in us and him to grow more in us and his life in us and living in community with that. And then that noble and good heart, as you said, Luke brought out, that really inward desire and hunger and thirst for the things of, of the Lord. Mm. So um, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I'm ready to eat and drink some more. And I really am grateful uh, to hear that breakdown of uh, the different soils. You mentioned you know, being hurt, being wounded by a Christian leader. and. Mm. I want to say to everybody listening to this, if you are pursuing the Lord, you should not be surprised to be hurt by a Christian leader. Amen. The most painful wounds that believer will incur will come from Christian leadership. And unfortunately, that has knocked many a believer out of the race because they end up taking offense 
being offended with the individual mm-hmm. and embittered. Yes. And ultimately offended with God. Yes. Right? Had me on the ropes. Yeah. So, you know, I speak this from experience. We have the story of Saul and David in the Old Testament. And I talk about this in several places, but one was at the very end of Hang On, Let Go. I have a word to Christian workers, people who are called to ministry. And I would encourage anybody who has been hurt by a Christian leader to read that. And also anybody who's in ministry who has not been hurt by a Christian leader (laughs) to read it because it's preparation. The other thing is I recently did a number of interviews on God's power, which have been published on the Christ is All podcast. Those interviews can be downloaded for free at 48laws.com. They're in video form there in the Christ is All podcast, and you can listen to them. There are actually three videos that contain more than three interviews. It's a blending together of various interviews, and I touch on this. I also have a chapter in 48 Laws of Spiritual Power on being quick to apologize. And one of the things that I've built into my life because just as imperfect as I am and all Christian leaders are, I have hurt people unwittingly and unintentionally throughout the years, but I've learned to always be quick to apologize. Amen. Where I have truly been off the mark and done something wrong, been quick to apologize, especially directly to the people who have been impacted. Often Christian leaders will hurt people and never, ever apologize. And some people won't accept an apology. Mm. So I guess I have two things to say. One, if you have hurt a believer, and it was your fault. I mean, it wasn't that somebody misunderstood what you said Mm -hmm. or twisted what you said. Because unfortunately, that happens too. Mm -hmm. I mean, people misunderstood what Jesus said. But I'm talking about you have clearly done something that you regret. You're human. As Jerry Seinfeld would say to George Costanza, you're flesh and blood. (laughs) You're human. Anyway, you make a mistake. Be quick to apologize. Now, they may not accept the apology. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, that is something that is tragic for a believer not to accept an apology. No, that is the epitome of self-righteousness and hypocrisy. Mm. Because none of us are free from making mistakes. The other thing I would say is if you are hurt by a Christian leader, to recognize that ultimately the hand of God was behind that. Amen. And he was using it not to embitter you. Yes. Which is what the enemy wants to do, Mm -hmm. but to break you. Yes. And that is how I have survived Saul in my own life. Is to be able to even years later go back and thank God for that person's rule Mm. in my life. Amen because of the brokenness that came from it rather than being embittered. Amen. Because all that does is it hurts you yes. in your walk with God. So those are just some things that I would add to uh, to what you said. And of course, that's kind of off the subject, but really not because not really. that's another way that the word of God can be choked in your life is by being embittered. On the Christ is All podcast, episode 166, which was released, looks like August 9th, 2022. We have Spiritual Fathers versus King Saul. Yeah, that's another one. I would encourage you to listen to it. Thank you. I want to close this out by reading some quotes by my foremost mentor, T. Austin Sparks, on the soils. And these are just choice quotes. He had a way of expressing things that are remarkable. (laughs) Um, Spiritual fruitfulness as we have it here in these passages, hangs upon one thing, and that one thing is spiritual understanding. Hmm. Those who had closed their own eyes, and then God had fixed them. Unless there is openness, preparedness, willingness at the outset, spiritual fruitfulness is utterly impossible. The situation is hopeless. And then he talks about the wayside people, the seed that is thrown on the wayside. In their case, the faculty for spiritual understanding does not exist. Mm. It is just not there. 
and he talks about the fact that these people have a sort of a bent against hearing God's word and following it. There's a, a prejudice somewhere in their heart. That doesn't mean racial prejudice. It could be a prejudice against anything. Amen. No one can understand until something has been done inside mm. inside them. And then he quotes Matthew thirteen fifteen. They hear with their ears and understand with their heart. That's interesting. We hear with the ear, but the understanding is in the heart. Mm. That is the focal point of spiritual understanding. Understanding with their heart. Paul's prayer was that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened, mm. that they may know. Ephesians 1.18 A mental and emotional reaction or response will not get us very far. Let us watch that very carefully. Very gladly, we may feel, that is great, that is wonderful, that is splendid. I should like to have that. And, oh, I have seen. I see that. Are you quite sure that you have seen? You may be dubious about many of these emotional reactions and these mental reactions. It has to go deeper than that because it's got to stand up to something. And then he goes through the different soils and he says the wayside points to the need to seek spiritual understanding. Mm. Then he talks about the rocky ground. That points to the need to count the cost. Mm. And I just want to read what he says about it specifically. In the case of this group, the rocky ground people, what would spiritual understanding mean in their case? Simply this. I see, I hear, if I accept that, if I fall into line with that, it is going to cost me something. Tribulation is going to arise because of that word. It is going to land me into difficulties if I follow the Lord in that way. I shall come up against people, and people will come up against me. I shall find I may be ostracized, isolated, all sorts of things may happen. You can visualize what will happen if you're going on with God when he gives his word, for a word from God will always raise some kind of issue. Amen. Do not make any mistake about it. It is no easy way to go on with God in his revealed will. Mm. If you are going to be faithful to what God reveals to you, it is going to cost. So that's the rocky ground people. Then he gets into the thorny ground people and he identifies this as the need to put first things first. May the Lord, would to God, I ask the Lord that he would make us fourth soil people, all of us, me included, Denzel, who you've been listening to in this podcast. Everyone else who has come into the circumference of the Insurgents podcast, Lord, make us fourth soil people. And may the people to whom we share the gospel of the kingdom with, may many of them be fourth soil people so that we can see 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold in the way of fruit. We'll see you in the next episode of the Insurgents podcast. God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.